Let's now take our Bibles and open God's holy word to what we find in the letter of James. The scripture reading will be taken from James chapter 1 and the text from James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14 through 19. So first of all, we will read from James chapter 1. And we'll get into this more in the sermon, but the first chapter serves the purpose of also showing us how faith is to also be seen in works. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But let each one, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. 
pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And then we move on into our text, which begins in verse 14 of chapter 2. And verse 14 through 26 is actually one section that speaks about how faith without works is dead. And the last part of this passage speaks about two illustrations that are given of Abraham and Rahab. And we will look at those this afternoon. But right now, we will look at the verses 14 through 19, which read as follows. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So far. After the sermon, we will sing hymn 28, the stanzas 6 and 7. Dear brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, what exactly is James telling his readers in this section of his letter? What is the message the Holy Spirit is giving us as adults and to our boys and girls and teenagers? It's not surprising, is it, that people have struggled with this passage? Or how does it fit with what Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, verse 28, before we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law? How can James say faith without works is dead? Does my eternal salvation depend on my works, yes or no? Now what at first blush appears to be confusing really isn't an issue at all. But it's completely in line with the message of all of Scripture. And once again, the exceptional kindness of the Lord God shines through, allowing us to know the nature of a true and living faith. James, as a servant of Jesus Christ and an instrument of the Holy Spirit, highlights for us the character of a true and living faith. And what he verbalizes affirms the message of the entire New Testament. Faith is more than agreeing to a number of doctrines. Faith transforms you, changes you, and makes you alive in Jesus Christ. When you live by faith, the love of Christ runs through your veins. Your breath is a breath of fresh air. 
because you have inhaled the God-breathed words of the Spirit. The grace of God is in your blood. Faith channels God's work throughout your whole being because your heart has been renewed and brought to life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are many dangers in the world that threaten the well-being of the Christian church. And we can talk about them often. Open opposition, hostility, terrorism. But every one of them pales in comparison to the dangers of lacking true and genuine faith. If you claim to have faith, But your words and actions give no evidence that you have a deep-seated love and devotion for the Lord, then your faith, says James, is useless and nothing more than noise. In the space of 13 verses, James says it three times that faith by itself is useless and dead. He says it in verse 17, verse 20, And verse 26. Now what James states emphatically sounds remarkably similar to the words his brother Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And this is a real burden to James. And it must be to us as well. We deceive ourselves if we claim to have faith in God without putting it into practice. Hardly darkening the doors of the church or failing to participate in the life of the church giving little evidence that the power of the gospel of Jesus is shaping our personal life, our family interactions, and how we relate to each other in marriage and congregational life. You see, when the gospel of Christ has a grip on you, your life will experience its transformational impact. Studying the scriptures and growing in grace will bring to light how faith cannot be separated from works because the very works that flow forth from faith are not yours. They are Christ working within you. So let's listen up. And hear what the Spirit says to us. So that we might cast ourselves on Jesus Christ. That we may humble ourselves before the Lord. Knowing that He will lift us up. And so we look at our text further under the following theme. The essence of true faith in Christ is not without first works. Second, love. And third, devotion. James directs his remarks to Jewish Christians who came to hear the gospel of God's free grace in Christ 
and who were in danger of negating works altogether. James says, what good is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Indeed, what good is such a claim? The apostle wants us to understand it for ourselves, doesn't he? There's no good in such a claim. It is an empty confession of faith. True faith gloriously transforms and changes you so that you are a new creation. While salvation is completely from God, he has also determined that his work be evident in our works. And what James writes is completely in line with what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 8, where we read, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And it is in line with what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the point is this. Living the Christian faith is a changed life. What does it profit us to claim faith if that faith does nothing? Jesus did not come into this world so that We should speak pious platitudes, but that we should be filled with gratitude and a changed attitude. Well, the letter of James does not leave us in the dark as to what some of these works are and what they look like. In fact, this letter demonstrates how all things are transformed by the power of the gospel. And James already makes this point in chapter 1. And it would be good for you, if you already, if you don't have that already, to have your Bible open to James chapter 1. As we think further on how the essence of faith is not without works. So first of all, faith changes how we view others. In the first chapter, James addresses his readers very personally in verse 2 as my brethren, which means in common parlance that these people are his brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus. James identifies himself with them in a common bond of faith in the Lord. And that's not mere Christianity. Or theology. But to be able to do so is the outworking of the Spirit in your life. That enables you to say this. And to know the consequence of saying, you are my brother. You are my sister. And secondly, the miracle of God's love and the transforming power of the Spirit changes how you view yourself. 
And that's how it was for James too. The gospel took hold of James's life so that he acknowledges himself to be a bondservant, a servant of Jesus Christ. James, a blood brother of Jesus, doesn't put that position as first. He no longer views Jesus from an earthly point of view as he had done when he did not believe. His eyes have been opened by the Spirit, and once that happens, you will look at Jesus as he is, your Lord. You will bow before him who himself humbled himself and became a servant, and you will acknowledge him as Savior and Messiah. You see, that already changes everything, doesn't it? Faith that is visible in works puts us beside each other. We acknowledge each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We work with each other on that level, all as humble servants of Jesus. And in the third place, faith also changes how we work through trials. That's chapter 1, the verses 2 through 4. Though tears fill our eyes and anxiety threatens our hearts, we can have joy since we know and we trust the risen Lord Jesus is fulfilling His purpose in our lives. We confess in good times that trials pledge better things to come. But just as much when in the fury of the storm and the waves of distress threaten to overwhelm us. And again, what we confess we are to put into practice. Faith without works is dead. Sometimes it can be very difficult for us to see any good in trials, to count it all joy. Because those trials shake our faith. It's one thing to know that God works all things for the good of those who love Him, but it is quite another to put that into practice when pain is piercing and almost unbearable and we feel sick to the pit of our stomachs. Joy and trials. Those two seem so far removed from each other. But the only way those two can be connected is when we insert a connecting word. The word wisdom. And that's where James takes us in the verses 5 through 8 of chapter 1. So in the fourth place, faith at work seeks the wisdom of God that allows us to connect joys and trials. We go through life and we do our daily tasks, having it clear in our minds and wearing it on our sleeves that we, minuscule creatures, are working under the watchful eye of the Almighty Father and whatever He does is always good. Faith in Christ transforms you so that it will be known to others. 
that this is how you live. You face trials. You can do that. Not because you are so strong and tough, but because you know where you have come from, where you are, where you stand in God's plan today, and where you are going in the future. And fifth, James is not unaware that we will wrestle with God's purpose and plan when experiencing severe pain, suffering, loneliness, and intense grief. And when we are disillusioned and doubting whether God really cares, that's when we are most vulnerable to give in to temptation, aren't we? We question. If God doesn't care about me, why should I care about anything? Why not turn to something that will give some enjoyment in life? And that's when we may be attracted to go down a path that dulls the pain or shuts down the hurt we feel. That is so intense in our hearts. But there again, faith needs to find its way in a proper response from the heart. That's chapter 1, the verses 12 through 18. Works that spring forth from a true and living faith. They include putting away all filthiness, verse 21. It's to bridle our tongues, verse 26. It is to show love and compassion to the needy, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, verse 27. And allowing works to flow forth from faith involves keeping ourselves unstained from the world. It means recognizing partiality and favoritism for what it is, a great evil. And with that, we move into chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. James states very forcefully that faith by itself, without works, is dead. But what he writes should not be taken unfavorably or negatively since through him, the Lord Jesus appeals to your and my hearts. He wants us to understand faith results in a lifestyle that gives evidence of his work in our life. True faith purges the soul, hunting down sin in order to find out and rid ourselves of the traitor within our nature. A believer does not have perfect faith, and his works are defiled with sin, but the drift and the direction of his life is that his faith, his works, his love be perfected. Yes, those who are in union with Christ will want to show in all their words and works that their heart is on fire for him and for his service. No one is saved by works. Yet in Christ, we are made a new creation, putting off the works of the sinful nature and putting on the new nature which is being renewed after the image of its creator. 
You see, you cannot really believe that Jesus Christ has taken away sin and yet hold good fellowship with the very sins that put Christ to death. So what is your public reputation? Are you known to be men and women of faith? Individuals whose works and behavior Family life, marriage, school, and work mirror Christ and his glory. Faith without works is an empty confession and entirely contrary to God's intentions. And so we come to our second point. Faith is not only without works, but it is also something that's not without love. For the Holy Spirit furthers our knowledge of the essence of true faith by showing how it is to manifest itself in displays of love. And James gives an example of how true faith can be lacking in the life of a church member. And the illustration involves a striking scene. If a brother or sister is ill-clad and in lack of daily food and enters into your assembly and one says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without giving them the things necessary for the body, what does it profit, says James. And notice this verse is not talking about the attitude of a believer toward outsiders, but it's talking about the interaction of brothers and sisters who know of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. A brother or sister in the community of the church has a need. They lack the outer garments that provide warmth and protection from the elements. And they do not have the resources to eat a good meal. The believers have gathered together for worship and to pray. And when the time comes for the assembly to part ways, the professing Christians say, well, see you later. Have a good week. I hope you find the means to warm yourself and to fill yourself. Well, with this illustration, James condemns the attitude of those who claim to have faith, but who do not see the need to help other brothers and sisters. Faith cannot be separated from deeds, is again the point. Faith is never barren, but comes with a calling to show the love and compassion of Christ to others. The sympathy, the love and the mercy God calls us to express has hands and feet. It feels, it touches It demonstrates love and acts with charity. Faith is visible in charitable deeds. And such charity is more than giving a donation. That thankfully comes with a tax receipt. Faith connects us and others to Christ. 
And this means that our brothers and sisters are to feel the love of Christ through the gentle touch of compassion that comes from our hands, the loving embrace that comes from our arms, the listening ear that is open to their cries, the feet that are swift to assist. Do you not recall how love for you led the Lord Jesus to subject himself to the hands of his accusers and to the horrors of hell? Love comes with a price. His love is what causes him to seek the lost and to persevere in doing so until each of his children is transformed into his image. His love will not rest until all his brothers and sisters are at his side in glory. And we who have been loved by Christ are to display the same self-sacrificing love to others. We are to be a community that radiates the love of Christ that he has shown to us in laying down his life for the sheep. The righteous deeds of the Christian are jewels in Christ's crown since they are rooted in him. Well, brothers and sisters, let your life and love for each other be a window to the glory of Christ. Faith that is at work offers love to others, a love that is personal and specific. You know how discouraging it can be when people throw quick answers at you when you need them most. And when they then walk away because while their life is so absorbed in so many other things, they're distracted by all those things that are not really all that important. Learn from this. Since this is not how you were taught to know Christ. Faith involves actions that are consistent and in harmony with the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit lays it out very plainly for us. Faith without deeds of love is useless. James conveys much the same point as relayed to us in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Where we read, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed. And truth. Our Lord Jesus speaks to this very same issue on several occasions as well. In the latter part of his ministry, Jesus spoke about the events that would take place on the final day of judgment. He says, On that day, the Lord will separate the sheep from the goats, and he will say to the sheep at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my Father, inherit. 
the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? I was hungry. And you did what? You gave me food. What I needed for the body. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will say, Lord, when did we ever do that? And the king shall answer and say to them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Yes, men and women of faith are to show love and compassion to their brothers and sisters in the Lord, regardless of whether they think they deserve it. Those who know the love of Christ do not simply clothe and feed people with platitudes or promises of prayer, but they show them the love and the care of the Lord. Oh, our posture is not one of one who stands above, but as one who comes alongside the suffering as a brother or sister, a friend in Christ. And this is the faith that you will once again celebrate at the Lord's Supper, Lord willing, next week where you will once again hear, for the sake of Christ who so exceedingly loved us first, we shall love one another and shall show this to one another, not just in words, but also in deeds. And so we come to our last point, for our text shows us that true faith is not without works, love, and finally without devotion. For James continues, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And James challenges the person who claims to have faith without works. Show me, that is, put on display, demonstrate and exhibit to me your faith apart from your works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. Do you understand the point that James is making? You can't put your faith on display without works. It's impossible. Faith is made visible in fruits. Nobody can show their faith without works. And James takes his argument one step further. He says, you believe that God is one. You do well. James commends the person who believes the doctrines of the Old and New Testament. But he immediately shows that the matter has to go deeper. You do well. The demons also believe and tremble. Indeed, the demons believe God is one. They have an accurate knowledge of the Trinity of the attributes and the works of God. They were spectators 
as part of heaven's angels when the Lord created the world. They know Jesus died for the sins of his people and they accept as true all that the Lord has revealed in his word. Yes, the demons believe what the Bible says. They had the best theological education in the universe as they were educated in heaven's seminary. Yet their knowledge does not give them a true living and saving faith. All their knowledge will not do them any good because it is not accompanied by repentance of a change of heart and mind and direction. Their believing is without devotion. A devotion to an affection for Christ. The demons do not seek their life in Christ and show him no devotion. In fact, the knowledge they have of the Lord will condemn them. The devils believe and they tremble. They wait for the day of their final judgment and they shudder at the certainty of what they are to experience. And James appeals to you and me because he wants us to realize that faith and assenting to doctrine, that should lead us to serve the Lord with conviction, dedication, and devotion. Even though our desire is to do God's will, there can be and there will be times of barrenness when fruits of faith seem to be lacking. But that's not a happy time for a child of the Lord, is it? Well, brothers and sisters, pray that the genuineness of your faith be shown in works that are built on the conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord of all of your life. This afternoon, we will have an extensive look at the, the last part of this chapter. But let it suffice to say for now, praise the Lord in all your words and works. Serve your neighbor by deeds of love. And pray that the Lord give indication of his work in you by fruits of faith. Pray for devotion to the Lord. And so, give ample proof that your faith in the Lord is living. Amen.